Boozehound Entertainment presents A Walk in Darkness. In the beginning, before the Great War, all souls went to heaven regardless of the evil committed while in their human form. Sin did not yet exist. There was no need. While sin did not exist, evil was something few ever escaped from meeting. For this reason, God created the outskirts of heaven, reserved for these evil and damned souls. We're searching for the Demonic Testament, a book written by a demon, and you're coming with us. And that's how the Demonic Testament begins. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, if you don't have an adult beverage while listening to this episode, you will want <laughs> to get one and you might as well just bring the whole damn bottle. That's for sure. All right, so before we get started, I want to let you guys all know that Sutton has fully transcribed the Demonic Testament, but as we mentioned last week, we still have some reservations about releasing it, so we thought it'd be a good idea if we gave a copy to Father Murray to get his take on the whole thing, and he thought it would be a good idea to send some copies to leaders of other faiths that he knows around the world. Yeah, so until we hear back from everyone, we are going to hold off releasing it. Mm-hmm. But as you guys have been with us since the very beginning, and you're in this just as much as us, this episode will be sort of our uh, Notes version. And there's a lot to get through, so we're just going to throw it at you. Right, but first, a bit of a warning. Um, this episode is going to be pretty hard to hear for most people. Uh, it really doesn't matter what your beliefs are. Like I said last week, um, what you're going to hear tonight, today, pretty much decimates every single belief system. Right, so consider yourself warned. All right, now let's dive into it. Okay, the first part or book one, as Sarath calls it, is called The Beginning. It starts before the Great War and begins with the birth of hell. Right, yeah. So we're all taught that Lucifer is the evil one, but while that's true that Lucifer betrayed God, it's not for the reasons we've led to believe. Yeah, before Lucifer betrayed God and created hell, Evil souls went to a special place in heaven called the outskirts. You know, it was basically everything we think hell to be. And all kinds of twisted torture of varying degrees. But here's the kicker. It was God who handed out the torture, not Lucifer. Mm -hmm. The Great War started because Lucifer called out God for torturing these souls instead of showing them righteousness. And as punishment... God made Lucifer the warden of the outskirts. Which didn't sit well at all with Lucifer. He felt really betrayed by God. Yeah, here's an excerpt. In three months, Lucifer created his kingdom, naming the rebellious territory Hell. Symbolic gates were guarded by frothing hounds, along with a modest army of disgruntled angels that shared his vision. One by one, Lucifer smuggled the souls, residing in the outskirts, to the underworld. The venture was tedious and challenging, 
but he persevered without the Almighty uncovering his deception with the help of alliances he had constructed with angels closest to God. Once the final soul journeyed over from the outskirts into hell, Lucifer self-confessed his independence from God. Fast forward to after the war. Nobody really won or lost, but Lucifer did get to keep his kingdom. But the war wasn't truly over, as both Lucifer and God did everything in their power to fill their respective kingdoms with souls. And according to the Demonic Testament, this was the only time there was ever a battle between good and evil. And this power grab brought on a disturbing chain of events, which the book calls the darkness, or as we know it, the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. What God and Lucifer didn't realize is that there was a need for balance, and this war caused an imbalance. Now, to avoid full darkness, God and Lucifer came to an agreement to keep a balance between good and evil. And that brings us to one of the many, many mindfucks in the Demonic Testament. Yeah, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, boy, this is going to set people off for sure. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I mean, Jesus didn't die for our sins. According to Sarath, he died for his own Or should I say he was killed for his sins against his father? Right. The resurrection story that we all know is basically an illusion crafted by God to cover up the fact. Are you ready for this? To cover up the fact that he killed his son. Because rather than spread his word, Jesus told people to practice pure free will. Uh, And here, I'm quoting from the Demonic Testament now. When Jesus paraded into the old city of Jerusalem, he was greeted by 12 men. These men professed their devotion, and Jesus named them the 12 apostles of Jerusalem. After a day of exploration and preaching, the 12 apostles of Jerusalem delivered Jesus to a great feast. One and all gathered around a communal wooden table adorned with figs, olives, honey, pomegranates, bread, fish, and fruit off the vine. As the last morsels were consumed, the townspeople became sickly, bending over and clutching their stomachs in pain, then plummeting to the ground, mouths foaming. Jesus stood transfixed in shock as all died at his feet. The supper was over, and it would be his last. He turned ready to yell out his father's name in anguish and gazed upon twelve demons positioned next to each pale and motionless apostle sprawled onto the dirt. You have abandoned your one task your father bestowed upon you, said the ones in green and gold robes, while the others in similar fashion dragged him by his wrists outside. Jesus gazed upon a large wooden cross resting on the ground. Two of the demons placed him on top and held him down, while the others hammered large nails into each hand and foot, affixing him to the cross. Jesus roared in pain as the cross was lifted to an upright position. The Son of God hung on the cross for several days before he released his last breath. Two of the demons escorted the soul of Jesus to heaven, while the others took his human form, wrapped it in a linen shroud, then placed him in a cold, damp, man-made tomb, barring it from entrance with a boulder. When Jesus arrived at heaven's gate, his father greeted him. My only son, you have forsaken me, 
and for your duplicity you shall spend eternity in the outskirts, which will be the dwelling for your soul alone. Well, if you have any hope of Jesus ever coming back, I think that last part sure killed it. Yep, that's for sure. Well, the next few sections talk about God and Lucifer's plan to undo the damage done by what Jesus did and creating the church, which is, of course, you know, the system of worship and beliefs practiced around the world currently. I mean, we won't spend a lot of time on this part, but the original version of the Bible was actually just the Ten Commandments. And even though he was dead, Jesus still had a loyal following. I mean, pure free will is very much in practice, and it was bringing the darkness once again. From the Demonic Testament. The first four commandments were conceived for the sole purpose of contradicting everything Jesus had disseminated to his apostles. 1. You shall have no other gods before me. 2. You shall not make for yourselves an idol. 3. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 4. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Commandments 7, 8, and 10 were included to abolish any lasting desire for pure free will. 7. You shall not commit adultery. 8. You shall not steal. 10. You shall not covet. The ninth commandment was to prevent those still loyal to Jesus with a threat, so as not to spread the misguided words of his only son. 9. You shall not give false testimony. The six words in the ninth commandment did little to sway any humans. So God looked down at his creations again and observed seven distinct behaviors during their debauchery and presented them with the seven deadly sins. This also did nothing to control the outlandish acts happening on earth. And it wasn't until Lucifer played his role as the evil one that God's will prevailed over pure free will. From the book. Under blood-red skies, Lucifer dispatched a pack of demons to earth to show all the wrath of his evil. Those still indulging in the seven deadly sins became afflicted with disease. Some only lost their fortunes, while many dropped dead where they stood. The fear of evil slithering into their lives for obeying pure free will caused many to abdicate their current path and adopt the will of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, That brings us to book two, which is all about sin. And it starts with a section explaining how sin was created as a means to control, um, as we just heard, the seven deadly sins. Um, And it's really the factor that decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. It's the thing that that sets the balance between good and evil. The second section is a great story. I've never quite read a story like it before. It's called Sin Like You Mean It, which describes this twisted experiment by God and Lucifer to test how much pure free will it would take to bring on the darkness. I don't know why they would want to do this, but they yeah. did. Um, anyway, so this experiment got so out of control with nonstop orgies and drugs and alcohol consumption that the only way to stop it was to create a massive flood 
bringing us to an interesting twist on the Noah's Ark story. Yeah, the next book, book three, is called The One Rule Which Cannot Be Broken. You know, this entire book confirms what I've been saying, you know, for the last few months. There is no difference between good and evil. In the juxtaposition of good and evil, Seraph spells out how it's not a battle between good and evil, but a battle within good and evil. Seraph writes this in the Demonic Testament. With their pure free will experiment a total failure, God and Lucifer realized they had little control over anything and were forced to accept their roles as rulers of their kingdom and only their kingdom. While the events in the living realm could be influenced, they could not be disciplined. Any attempts to violate the one rule would bring upon the darkness. And that brings us to book four, which, honestly, I was pretty disappointed with this this part about heaven. It, it, it's all about heaven. And honestly, the biggest revelations here were that angels do not have souls and they can, in fact, die. But most of it really just confirms um, that it's a place for those who follow the righteous path. And I'll just say that if your plan was to live by the word of God so you can live it up in heaven once you get there, then it's going to happen. It's going to be pretty much more the same. Now, hell, on the other hand, that's the place you want to be. In book five, we learn that unlike the outskirts, hell isn't a place of fire and torture. That's just part of the narrative to get people to conform and keep the balance. But after this war with God, Lucifer began to question the concept of righteousness. If God thought torture was righteous, did he really want to support that, right? So while his original intent was to rehabilitate these troubled souls, he concluded that these souls actually didn't need saving at all. So hell became a place where you could basically be yourself without consequence. Uh, okay. Um, I'm not quite sure how to put this, but the last part of the Demonic Testament reveals why Wally and I were chosen. Hmm. The last section in Book 5 talks about demonic possession and its role to reinforce the fact that evil exists and, you know, that people should either fight it or embrace it. I mean, it's one of, it's just one method Lucifer uses to take souls that would otherwise go to heaven and upset the balance. But it tells a story, and I I don't know, I'm not going to read it because it's really personal to Fuck Wally. it, fuck it. Let's just put it out there, all right? It's about how Sarath was the demon who possessed Sarah, and he's the one that took her soul. Um, and honestly, he's the one that ultimately made me leave the church. Again, from the Demonic Testament. After a long quest, I found the girl, crazy with uncontrollable lust. I knew it would be easy to possess her and lead her to the priest, who was more valuable to me than he could ever be to the church. Sarath really knows how to play the long con. Okay, all right. So, the final book. This book did give me the answers I was looking for. I mean, it wasn't at all what I expected, but... This... This book is called The Unity of Good and Evil, 
again confirming there is no difference between good and evil. The first section is about purgatory. And if you don't have your glass filled to the brim right now, hit pause and get that right away because this is going to pretty much blow you away. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to take a sip before going on. Purgatory isn't some realm of limbo. Purgatory is earth. It's right here where we live. We live our life in purgatory. Yeah, crazy. So when Gounod said that we get to choose where we go in purgatory, and it didn't really make sense, well, we kind of know now what he meant by that. You know, earth is as it turns out, is the only place where true balance exists. Everybody is born innocent and makes a choice between good and evil from there. I mean, there's a section actually called Sarath's Adam and Eve. It's a story of Christian and Ariel. There's the story we know, which is told in God Failed, which you can purchase and read completely for yourself. But this tells the part we didn't know. I mean, the hippies and their practice of pure free will, you know, free love, drugs, booze, it almost brought the darkness in late 60s and early 70s. And Christian and Ariel were chosen to be the new Adam and Eve. And the couple that would bring harmony and balance to the universe. According to Sarath in the book, Elick, in all his blind rage, could not see we were being manipulated into delivering these children together. Before this, I was devoted to Lucifer. I alone became his second in command. He cursed purgatory. I loved every large and small secretion that came out of it. So like any good soldier, I took his place. I did the labor meant for the devil. The task Lucifer sent me to do crossed a line I was unwilling to cross. I presented Lucifer the illusion I was playing along, but I knew this assignment would not go the devil's way. There was only one acceptable outcome in my mind. I refined my plan until I could feel its heartbeat in the palm of my hand. It was quite simple. I would still Christian soul keeping it for myself. I was never anyone's pawn. But stealing souls wasn't his only plan. He, um... He had plans for those souls. All right, so the same time he decided to steal Christian's soul, he decided to steal Ariel's as well. He wouldn't let Lucifer get either of those souls. So if you remember from the book, God Failed, it was basically love at first sight for Ariel and Christian. Even through all the rough times, they always found their way back to each other. But the thing is, they never consummated that love. Religion prevented that from happening. One of the numbers we kept seeing pop up was 633. Well, well, in- no, no, let, let me tell it. I, I have to tell this. Um, just give me a minute. Okay, section 6, 3, 3 or 633, is called the Child of Fire. 
And we know that after Christian's death, Ariel turned her back completely on religion. I mean, in many ways, she practiced pure free will. She basically turned the seven deadly sins into her bucket list. As Wally said, Ariel and Christian never consummated their love, but that didn't stop them from having a baby. I'm going to read this. My kingdom will be different. I will unify good and evil together for eternity, starting with joining two things very precious. Using the souls of Christian and Ariel, I forged the chosen one who epitomizes everything good and evil does not. My scenario needed the proper surrogate, and she came to me in the very place it all began, the Harrington House. She was absolute in every way, the human form of an angel, but the mind of a demon. Even the scent that rolled off her was Ariel, but equally important she had Christian's blood in her veins. I impregnated Sutton, my exquisite surrogate, with the souls of Christian and Ariel. She would not bring forth life after nine earthly months. I needed only nine days. The mother of the Chosen One would suffer physically and mentally, but she must endure this pain for she will need the strength that builds within it. So it turns out that I was... Sutton, look out the window. What? Oh, Oh, holy shit! Okay, guys, so uh, a a group of hooded figures is walking down the street towards our house. Let's see. There, there's not a lot of them. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's six of them. Look over there. It looks like six more coming from that end, Wally. Oh, shit. Okay, well, the figures are stopping in front of our house. Well, six of them are lined up on the sidewalk facing outward, except that one who looks to be looking up at us. That's creepy. I wonder where the other ones went. They're back here, lined up along the fence in the alley. What the hell? Okay, so we got six in front and six in the back. That makes 12 each wearing a black hooded robe with a red stripe down the back. Sort of like what a monk might wear, but way more menacing looking. Who the fuck are they? Well, if I had to guess, I'd guess that they're the apostles of the demonic. (laughs) And what do they want? Hold on a second. Okay, I just got a text from Father Murray. It says, it's going down. What's going down? This has been the Supernatural Thriller Podcast, A Walk in Darkness, produced by Boozehound Entertainment. Follow A Walk in Darkness on Instagram and Twitter, and don't forget to subscribe.